Once again, January 6th is in the news as the January 6th committee has begun a set of televised TV-produced hearings about the day of the Capitol Hill riot, the storming of the Capitol, and so on and so forth. These hearings should raise some very hard truths for both Democrats and Republicans, and I think my take on them is something that neither Democrats nor Republicans are particularly going to like. Republicans who want to just sort of dismiss this as nothing new, nothing really is happening, are underestimating the impact of some of the things that are being said and that are being shown in these hearings, particularly the degree to which President Trump threw his vice president, Mike Pence, under the bus. Republicans are going to have to ask themselves some serious questions about 2024 in particular in light of these hearings. On the other hand, Democrats need to face the cold, hard truth that January 6th is not going to save them in these midterms. And if you're talking about the storming of the Capitol when gas prices are over $5, inflation has not stopped, crime is spiking in the major cities, 50 seats might be the floor of what Republicans actually can take. People inside the Beltway bubble might think that January 6th is the most important thing on people's minds, but Democrats need to face the cold, hard truth that not as many people care as they think. And if they don't fix the issues that Americans actually care about, there might not be much of a Democratic Party left after 2022 and 2024. I'm Dr. Nolte, and this is Blind Politics. Welcome, podcast listeners, to another episode of Blind Politics with Dr. Nolte. I'm Dr. A.J. Nolte, Assistant Professor of Government at Regent University's Robertson School of Government. Once again, views expressed in this podcast do not represent those of either Regent University or the Robertson School. Please remember that you can rate and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider, and you can find us on Facebook at Blind Politics with Dr. Nolte, or on Facebook and Instagram at the Feeds of the Robertson School. All right, so the January 6th committee hearings have kicked themselves off. Uh, There was a big televised to-do on Thursday night. In primetime, the committee hired a Hollywood producer to edit the clips together and produce their montage. Republicans are banking on the fact that nobody really cares about what's happening right now in terms of January 6th. This is not the top issue on the minds of the vast majority of voters. And if you are primarily motivated by the 2020 election at this point or by January 6th, your vote is probably not going to be affected by anything at this point because you're either a stop the steal person who is trying to make sure that secretaries of state get nominated in Republican primaries who are going to certify the election for the Republicans like regardless, or you are an ultra progressive who is not affected by things like rising gas prices, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. And you have the time and economic luxury to worry about something that happened 18 months ago or more and say that this is your top political priority. Those people do not make up a majority. And so Republicans are banking on the fact that they can just ignore the January 6th hearings. Here's the problem with that. There is a significant portion of the party that wants to see Donald Trump as the nominee in 2024. And just because January 6th isn't on the top of everybody's mind doesn't mean that it's not going to have an impact. First of all, the mainstream media is going to cover this intensively. It's going to be on the front page of darn near every newspaper. It's going to be on all the networks that are not 
Fox and to the right of Fox, it's going to be in the news environment. And even if you're an independent voter who doesn't care about it, is it really helpful if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for people to be hearing about how he thought that maybe the people that wanted to assassinate his vice president had a point? Is it really helpful for the person who might be the Republican nominee for Republicans if people are essentially being presented with clear and credible evidence, which the committee claims they have, that Donald Trump refused to faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States in the aftermath of the riots. That's what they're alleging. They're alleging that Donald Trump broke his oath, that he refused to faithfully execute the office of the president and essentially abdicated his responsibility to the vice president without a constitutional mechanism such that restoring order at the Capitol was delegated to the vice president who did not have the authority to do that, but somebody had to make the decisions. That is a very serious allegation. And it's almost like if you were going to try to impeach this guy, you should have substantiated it first and focused on that instead of focusing on a speech that he gave at a rally because incitement is really difficult to fulfill. But arguing that someone didn't fulfill the oath of office that they took seems like that might in fact be the basis for a credible impeachment. But Democrats didn't do that. They decided to focus on other things instead. Now, is that because they don't have the goods? Is that because they don't have the proof they claim? I don't know. We haven't seen everything they've got. And I'm going to say the same thing about Trump orchestrated a conspiracy here on January 6th that I said about all these rando election officials orchestrating a conspiracy to steal the elections. Show me some evidence. Yeah, I get the claims that you're making. But when you're telling me that Donald Trump is the mastermind of a complex conspiracy, this does not seem to fit the character of the person that you are alleging. Now, when you're telling me that out of spite or pettiness or something like that, he might not stop it in time, I have a much easier time believing that than Donald Trump is the mastermind who is trying to orchestrate this plot to commit a self-coup. It's just not a credible allegation. And it's not credible because I think that there weren't people who were trying to do that. What makes it not credible is, is Trump himself. There is a premeditation that would need to be shown for something like that that just does not seem consistent with the character of the, of the man. Um, but th that being said, there are some serious allegations. The allegation that he wanted the Secretary of State of Georgia to find him some votes is pretty serious. The allegation that he abdicated and was guilty of dereliction of duty after the riot is a serious allegation. You'd want to see some serious proof for that. But if they've got it, I don't think there's going to be a third impeachment. I don't think you get three bites at that apple. But it does raise significant questions about if this guy's going to run in 2024, I've been on record that I don't think he is, but there's a significant portion of the party that wants him to. And there's a much larger portion of the Democratic Party that wants him to. <laughs> I'll come back to that. I think Republican voters need to take a good hard look at this. Cut through the fact that most of the Democrats on the committee are going to act like a clown show. Democrats acting like a clown show is nothing new. You could have gift wrapped an actual impeachable offense that Trump committed and Democrats would still have found a way to screw it up because they are not, by any stretch of the imagination, a competent political party. We've got abundant evidence of that at this point. Still, do you really want to take that risk if you're the Republican Party and bring this guy up again as the nominee in 2024? I'm not so sure. And I'll go further than that. This is another cold, hard truth that Republicans need to, to look themselves in the face and recognize. Donald Trump is not going to move on from 2020. 
it is not going to happen. He's had two years almost, and he is not talking about anything else. It's not going to happen. He is primarily making his endorsement decisions, not exclusively, but the ones that he cares about, the ones that he's invested in, the David Perdue against Brian Kemp, those kinds of endorsements, the ones where he's putting his political chips on the line, that's all about 2020. It is still all about Donald Trump and what Donald Trump feels like he was cheated out of in his mind. He has not moved on. He is not going to move on. And here's what you need to think about from a Republican perspective. Again, cold, hard truth, cold-blooded analysis as a Republican. Take your feelings about this out of it. Donald Trump was effective in 2016, not because he focused on himself, but because he spoke to people who felt like no one was speaking for them. And he said, I will fight for you. But that guy is pretty much gone. Donald Trump right now is in his happy place. And his happy place is all about him and how he got shafted. He got things stolen from him and it wasn't fair. And he is not going to move on from 2020. It is not going to happen. And by the way, Democrats, if he runs, will make sure that it never happens because they have figured out how to push his buttons now. He will spend the whole election talking about how it was stolen in 2020. He's not going to talk about the issues that are actually in front of the country. Is that guy capable of beating a wet paper bag, let alone whoever the the Democrats are going to nominate in 2024, Joe Biden or otherwise? So if you're a Republican, you have to bank on the fact that things are going to be so bad that a guy who's obsessed with the last election could still win in 2024 if you nominate Trump because he's not going to move on. It's not going to happen. He doesn't have it in him. And this, what's happening with the January 6th committee, is going to make sure that it doesn't. So if I'm a Republican, I'm looking for somebody else. I'm just going to be honest. It doesn't matter whether you liked Trump or not. It doesn't matter whether you thought the policies were great or not. It doesn't matter if you thought people were unfair to him the entire time that he was there and nobody gave him the benefit of the doubt. Or even if you think he was right about 2020, which I don't. But even if you think he was right about 2020, politics, it's not beanbag. Politics is about winning. If you don't win the election, then you essentially hand the instruments of policymaking to your opposition, and they are going to do bad things. If you're a Republican, you think probably the Biden administration has done bad things. If you want those bad things to stop, you need to elect a Republican president in 2024. And I would submit that a guy that is obsessed with 2020 is probably not going to get the job done. You need somebody who's been in the arena, who knows how to fight against the things that the Biden administration are doing, who is focused on the issues that people care about at the time. Somebody who can fight is good if it's the right fight. But if they're focused on the wrong fight and a fight that nobody cares about, that's not great. Even if you accept the argument that nobody cares about the January 6th hearings, if nobody cares about the January 6th hearings, that means that nobody cares about the claim the 2020 election was stolen. And if that's the case, and that's what we're going to run on, and that's the focus that Donald Trump has then he cannot be the nominee in 2020 or in 2024 because he's going to be talking about something that nobody cares about, which you've just admitted by saying that nobody cares about January 6th anymore. Republicans cannot look back to 2020 if they're going to win in 2024. They need somebody who's going to look forward and who has an actual grasp on an ability to address the issues that people care about. And the claims that are being made about dereliction of duty, about not being engaged in that presidential office, those are serious claims. I think if there's exculpatory evidence on that, 
You know, if Trump's got evidence that he was, in fact, engaged, that he was, in fact, uh, trying to stop what was happening, I think that that evidence should get a fair hearing. And I'm not necessarily going to go in and say, I'm convinced just by the fact that you've made these claims. You need to show evidence. You need to have people that are going to go on the record under oath and say this is what happens. But it is a serious claim. The president takes an oath to faithfully execute the office of the presidency. Faithfully executing the office includes being commander in chief, includes providing protection and security for the continuation and the function of government. And so if in fact people are telling him, Mr. President, you need to send in the troops to stop this and he was refusing to do it, that's very serious. That is a very serious issue. So these are the cold, hard realities that Republicans need to face. But if you're a Democrat, there's a couple of cold, hard realities that you need to face as well. The first thing that you need to face is that your party is not actually treating January 6th like it was an existential threat to democracy. Democrats can talk about how they believe January 6th was the day that democracy died in darkness and an existential threat, but they are not acting as though they believe that. You don't spend $800,000 to prop up Doug Mastriano's campaign for governor of Pennsylvania in a wave year when gas is going to be over $5 a gallon before the election. You're the incumbent party. Gas is over 5 bucks a gallon in the state of Pennsylvania. And your guy's been governor for eight years. There's an eight-year itch in Pennsylvania. It's happened like every election or every eight-year cycle except for one recently. A Republican won in 2010 and then a Democrat in 2014. But that's the only time a party has not held control of the governor's office for eight years and then it flipped. So you've got the traditional eight-year itch in Pennsylvania. You've got gas at $5 a gallon and you're spending $800,000 to prop up Doug Mastriano, a guy who is pretty much saying that he believes everything that Trump has said and more and is going to make sure that the right electors get put in place in 2024. If you think Republicans trying to steal the 2024 election in in like in light of 2020 is an actual existential threat to democracy, you don't prop up Doug Mastriano because you recognize the fact that he's slightly more electable Republican nominee is probably worth not having this existential crisis that you might have if Mastriano could win. Now, I'm sure all of the Democratic pundits and all of the Democratic consultants who thought this was a really cute thing to do were like, well, well, Mastriano will never win. To which my response would be, you said that about Donald Trump in 2016. When Democratic consultants say that Republican X will never win, you probably you should not believe them. They said that about Donald Trump. So let's maybe not make that assumption again. This is not the only race where they're propping up the sort of stop the steal candidates. You can look across the country at most of these stop the steal candidates, and a good number of them have received basically in-kind contributions from Democrats. So on the one hand, Democrats are telling us that January 6th is an existential threat. Democracy dies in darkness, so we can never let the Republicans in power. We need to get rid of all Republicans in the country. But then they're also propping up the Republicans that are the most into this. That's not a thing that you would do if you thought this was actually an existential threat. I remember when Democratic voters actually thought that Donald Trump was an existential threat, and some of them crossed over to vote for other candidates in Republican primaries. That's the kind of thing you do when you think something's an existential threat. So that's not the way Democrats are acting. You also don't try to, to position the hearings so that you can somehow maximize political benefit for your political party if you think you're dealing with an existential threat. When you're treating the issue like it's a partisan cudgel to beat your opponents with, you can't then complain about how your opponents aren't taking the threat to democracy seriously 
when they're claiming that you're using it as a partisan cudgel to beat your opponents with. If you don't want everybody to claim that you're a bunch of partisans, try not to act like a bunch of partisans. Now I get it. They can't help themselves. And I get it. Many of the Republicans are not much better when they have a similar partisan cudgel. But maybe we should all take this idea that our opponents are an existential threat to democracy a lot less seriously because it doesn't seem like people are acting as though they actually believe it. And the other thing that Democrats need to keep in mind is that it's probably not going to matter. You could convince the entire country that Donald Trump personally by hand orchestrated all the events of January 6th, that like he was sending every QAnon crazy and every Proud Boy group specific instructions about which part of the Capitol building they were supposed to assault and which windows they were going to go in. You could convince everyone of that and it would not save the Democrats in 2022. Any political analyst who is telling you that there's anything that's going to come out of this January 6th hearing that is going to affect the 2022 elections is nuts or they're living in a delusional fantasy land because Donald Trump's not on the ballot in 2022. I believe I may have said this a couple of times after the epic disaster that was the Terry McAuliffe campaign, where his entire campaign against Glenn Youngkin was a noun verb in Donald Trump. You do not win elections by running against an ex-president, especially not in a midterm. It doesn't work. Democrats tried this in 2010 with George W. Bush. It did not work. Republicans tried this in 2018 with Barack Obama. It did not work. If Democrats want to try this again in 2022 with Donald Trump and assume that magically it's going to work in an environment where literally no policy issue is going right for them, it's a perfect storm. Because not only do you have crime, price of gas, inflation, all those things not going their way, but Republicans can actually make a reasonable argument that Democratic policies have made all of those things worse. Now, I'm sure Democrats could make a counter argument and explain why it's not their fault. But if you're explaining, you're losing. And it would be best to be explaining from a position of this had nothing to do with the policies that we advocated. That is going to really make this a perfect storm. And and, this is also part of the reason why it's really dumb to play silly games with your opponent's primaries. Let's spend a bunch of money to, you know, prop up the craziest Republican we can find. In this environment, the crazies can win in places where you would not expect. Ultimately, I think the January 6th hearing is going to have no effect on 2022. The real question where the rubber really meets the road on this is, does it have an effect on the 2024 Republican primary? And there's two equal and opposite effects that I could see this having. Not saying that it will have. Number one, it could push Donald Trump more toward running. If he feels like he's being attacked and being treated unfairly, blah, 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 blah. He gets really motivated by that kind of thing. So you could make it more likely that he runs as a result of this. But it could, at the same time, decrease the amount of patience that Republican voters will have for such a run. Republican voters are never going to tell you that they don't like or they don't approve of Donald Trump. Because Republicans have gotten very good at recognizing that the media will take any such poll result and just talk about it endlessly forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and make it all about Trump. And because Republicans, just like Democrats, don't really like to criticize someone who they see as their own. But there's a difference between what you say in public and what you do in a voting booth. And I don't think you're going to convince the average Republican voter that Mike Pence deserves assassination because of whatever happened on January 6th, or that it's a good thing for the president to not do anything when there are people that have broken into the Capitol. Or that it's a good thing for a person who's running for president in 2024 to be obsessing about 
how this person thinks they won in 2020. I just don't think that's where Republican voters are. Now, it could be a situation where there's that hardcore, the people that will vote for Trump or Trumpist candidates no matter what, seems like it's somewhere between 30 and 40% of the Republican electorate. In a fractured field, is that enough for Trump to start consolidating if he runs? Yeah, it depends on who else is running and how many of them there are. We'll see. In the meantime, here's what I expect for these hearings. I think the first televised batch of hearings was probably the high watermark, both in terms of attention and in terms of the credibility of the presentation. I think that what you will see is the vast majority of the Democrats on the committee will see this as their opportunity to grab the spotlight and shore themselves up in terms of re-election. As such, this will turn into more of a political circus over time. The more that happens, the less it forces any kind of reappraisal on the Republican side. The more the committee sticks to the facts, keeps very focused, doesn't engage in grandstanding, the harder you then make it for Republicans to say, this is just a partisan clown show and we don't need to pay attention to it. So what I'm expecting is a grandstanding partisan clown show because, number one, it's 2022 and you can always count on things to live down to your expectations of politics. And number two, that's just where the Democratic Party is at this point. I mean, don't don't mistake me here. I've said some, some things that are tough about Donald Trump. I think they're all true, but none of that in any way, shape or form makes me at all more favorably inclined toward the Democratic Party. And the sad thing is, there's a lot of things about January 6th that would be actually good to know, that we actually need to know what happened. I think we need to be prepared for the idea of political violence mobilized by social media. We need to be looking at how that's happening. We need to be looking at QAnon. And I think there's potential danger in the gamification of conspiracy theories that you could essentially mobilize a group of people to commit some kind of terrorist act without them actually even really fully comprehending what they're doing. That's a terrifying thought. The fact that we are seeing intensifying trends toward political violence, that's really bad. These are things that we should probably look into and we should have people who are not actually trying to beclown themselves with partisan behavior but who are actually serious and sober-minded individuals looking through these kinds of things and figuring out what actually is the risk of political violence. Because it, it certainly feels like we're trending towards something bad. You know, I'm recording this less than a week after a man was arrested with a gun threatening to kill a Supreme Court justice because of what he projected the ruling was going to be on an abortion case. That was Brett Kavanaugh. Imagine... The assassination of a conservative Supreme Court justice and interjecting that into this environment, especially if Biden nominates a liberal justice to replace that conservative justice. The absolute horror show that would result. That's the kind of thing that really you would see an escalating cycle of political violence potentially. So yes, these are things we need to be concerned about. I'm just not convinced that anybody's actually serious about those problems because those are real problems that don't neatly fit into the partisan boxes of our current moment. Those are problems, the solving of which does not affect the next election and does not play into the unrealistic wish lists that people would like to accomplish of things that they can't pass because they don't have the votes. We need a serious investigation of actually what went down, and I'm not at all convinced that that's what we're going to get, but we shall see. So that's going to be a wrap for this episode. Please remember you can rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. 
You can find us on Facebook at Blind Politics with Dr. Nolte or on Facebook and Instagram, the feeds of the Robertson School. For Blind Politics, this is Dr. Nolte, signing off.